0: Well, hello, my friends. It has been such a long time since I've done an episode of Rapid Fire that the U.S. government officially ended our national emergency over COVID-19. Yes, this happened last week and I have been gone for two long weeks. I apologize. We haven't done the show. I have been traveling all across the country from the West coast to the East reporting on the Trump indictment, everything going on in Washington, DC. I've been working on a couple projects. So I apologize that I have been gone, but again, I've been gone so long that, um, the United States government finally said that, uh, COVID is over while I, while I was, uh, again, not in action here doing the live streams. I never, I didn't even know that we were still in a national emergency for COVID-19 because to be quite honest with you, um, what's COVID? Is this still a relevant thing? Apparently so. I saw this last week and you guys know I've been keeping up with the news for you while I have been away. So I just thought that that was absolutely hilarious. Now, my friends, I am not going to lie to you. The state of the United States has just been not my favorite. I've been a little bit pilled over the past two weeks, but I've still been keeping up with all of the news cycle from the Trump indictment to Riley Gaines getting attacked by trans people here in San Francisco to Billboard Chris being attacked by trans people in Canada to all of the insanity going on in Chicago with lawless America and everything that has been happening. So we're going to try to keep it as light as possible today while still simultaneously delivering to you the absolute chaos in the United States of America. And you know, I haven't talked to you guys in 2 weeks, so I wanted to start off the show with one of my favorite pieces. Okay, from Thomas Paine. This is more for me than it is for you because I just I've just felt very black pilled about the the state of the US lately. I felt like it's been divided. Where is the path forward? We now have the right wing, uh, you know, debating and fighting over Trump v. DeSantis. So it's like we're already divided. And then within our own party, we're even more divided. It just seems like a very uh, tumultuous time, if you will. So we're going to start off the show today with a little excerpt from one of my favorite writings from Thomas Paine, The American Crisis. He wrote this back in 1776. And again, this piece essentially ignited the United States of America, right? The, the the revolution for the United States, our fight against the British. And so whenever I'm feeling down and low in these moments. This is what I read, okay? This is Thomas Paine back in 1776 writing, these are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will in this crisis shrink from the service of their country, but he that stands it now deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. Tyranny, like hell, is not easily conquered, yet we have this consolation with us, that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. What we obtain too cheaply, we esteem too lightly. It is dearness only that gives us everything its value. Heaven knows how to put a proper price upon its goods, and it would be strange indeed if so celestial an article as freedom should not be highly rated. Britain, with an army to enforce her tyranny, has declared that she has the right not only to tax, but to bind us in all cases whatsoever. And if being bound in that manner is not slavery, then is there not such a thing as slavery upon earth? Even the expression is impious for so unlimited a power can only belong to God. Now, I had to start off the show with that one here today because again I needed uh, you know the energy of the founding fathers to really digest modern-day America because modern-day America is not what they intended for us it's not what they founded for us but before we get into all of that please remember that this show is sponsored by you it is run by you it is driven by you some of the best ways you can support the show is by going to my subscribe star the link is down below um, you know one of the you uh, I guess benefits of subscribing to my subscribe star was that you had access to direct messaging with me. But to be quite honest with you guys, with my work schedule and with the amount of subscribers now, I don't have the time to respond to everybody individually. So if you want to support me on subscribe star, I will appreciate you forever. If you don't, then go ahead and just leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you do like the show. I know we don't love Apple, so if you don't love that, go to Rumble. And make sure you're subscribed over there. Uh, but if you will, leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you like the show. I read every single one, and it helps us grow in the chart. charts. That is a free and uh, easy way to support the show and uh, also let me know how you guys are feeling about it. Now, enough with the plugging, enough with how you can support the show. Let's get into the important things a.k.a. what is happening to modern day America, because we have gotten so far away from the foundings of 1776 and the Constitution. Now, the entire messaging and what we're going to be speaking about today is how our corrupt leaders have completely failed us in the United States, and that is why we are where we currently are. I have been monitoring, my friends, over the past two weeks, all of the rampant crime that has been happening across the United States, again, from the West Coast to the East, and it makes me very sad to have to do these types of shows for you where I basically just lay out all of the degeneracy, all of the complete immorality that is drenched in our country that has drenched the United States of America we are no longer a land of rules of laws of morals of values you know in my last show I was talking about and asking the question if you wanted a United States that was void of Christianity that was void of morals and values this is the United States that is just that it's horrific it is dark It is hopeless, and I'm not enjoying it. So anyways, guys, uh, let's get into where we're at in the United States, starting off with, of course, our beloved California, because they really were the the spark, right, for this crime wave that I've been tracking. And it always starts off in California. And in San Francisco, this was last week on, I believe, Monday, like last weekend, last Monday-ish. This comes from Jake Shields, who says, San Francisco, in the past week— Closed to Whole Foods because it's not safe for workers. Starbucks are removing all tables to keep the homeless out. Bob Lee, who's the founder of Cash App, was killed while in front of luxury condos. The fire chief was attacked and almost beaten to death by the homeless. And then he goes, what did I miss? Uh, oh, he keeps going. Also oh, this week, a crackhead had a baby on a busy street. And Riley Gaines, who is the uh, swimmer, she was a, a, an athlete who competed against Leah Thomas, during 2022, during the Women's Swimming Championship, and she's been very vocal about saving women and saving women's sports against biological men who are pretending to be women coming in and stealing their titles, stealing their competition, stealing their opportunity. So she's been very outspoken about it. She went to San Francisco, and of course, she immediately got mobbed. So this all happened over the last week. It's It's been absolute insanity. We'd expect nothing less from California, and it keeps going from the New York Post, LA business owner says nude homeless camps are deterring customers a los angeles business owner is calling on officials to take actions to remove a homeless encampment in her area that she says has nude inhabitants and is deterring customers and again too you know this is so sad because uh the woman who asked to be identified only as deborah because in modern day america if you give your full name to news outlets to try to spread awareness to the fact that you have an entire uh nudie camp that's basically illegal in the state of california that's running away all your customers you are the one that's going to be targeted and attacked if you give your full name or you give the name of your business you're going to be hunted down by all of these activist mobs who will say oh you're a horrible person because you're targeting these specific um Minority community. So again, uh, you know, going into this New York Post article, the woman only wants to be described as Deborah, says that she's owned this hair business near San Vicente Boulevard for two decades, but issues with the nearby unhoused population increased more recently so apparently the clientele don't feel comfortable anymore seeing all of the nudity seeing the homelessness and this is a trend that we have seen across the entire west coast and now the entire united states of america because we have no law and order in this country let's go further now this is a a clip that came out of california as well because remember if uh you loot in in, in california As long as it's under $900, you can go ahead and take whatever you want. In Roseville, California, as individuals just walk into, I believe this is a big sporting goods, and walk out with with just piles of clothing. That is your modern day United States. Uh, This is also another clip that had caught my attention before what happened in Chicago this past weekend popped off. Now, this is a mob that looted an L.A. gas station. This happened on April 16th. Uh, So just what this past weekend, okay? this was Los Angeles. You had a gigantic group of looters come and storm this gas station. They broke down the windows and uh, they started stealing everything. And this is just your every your everyday occurrence in California. Now, the interesting part about this entire situation is that Gavin Newsom, many people suggesting that he is going to be one of the Democratic frontrunners for 2024. So he's been traveling around the United States, right, specifically to Florida. And he's been giving a lot of speeches about how in Florida, the LGBTQ community rights are under attack. We're taking away the rights of women. Like we're just we're, we're going so far back. You know, he gave this ridiculous speech about how America is just uh, basically going back, right, Uh, with the civil rights movement. We're basically taking all of the movement of the civil rights movement. We're we're taking all of, like, everything, all the accomplishments, right? And we're backtracking on all of them, and we're erasing everything that the civil rights movement fought for, which is absolutely ridiculous to me because you go to California, and if you're a minority business owner, by the way, and your uh, business gets looted, If you get maybe punched in the face or you try to defend your business from looters in California, guess what? You think the civil rights movement is going to back you on that? Do you think civil rights even exist in California? Absolutely not. You know what's going on in San Francisco? They're putting up signs on their vehicles that say, please don't break my windows. I promise you there's nothing of value in my car. There was a period of time. uh, It was either last summer or the summer before probably during BLM, you can go look this up yourself, where people were just opening up their trunks and windows so looters and the homeless wouldn't break their windows in San Francisco, but they would just like rummage through the cars and see that there was nothing of value in them. That's California. But you have Gavin Newsom going to Florida uh, talking about how civil rights are being impeded because Ron DeSantis doesn't want pornographic books being shown to children. Now, what is California focused in on? Because I promise you, they are trying to prosecute some people. They are trying to find some people. They are trying to put some people in jail. And let's take a peek at who those people are. Uh, San Jose's Calvary Church ordered to pay $1.2 million in fines for violating health orders during COVID-19. Yes, my friends, this is another story that came out last week. Uh, A superior court of California judge in Santa Clara County ruled that Calvary Chapel San Jose must pay $1.2 million in fines for basically violating COVID-19 orders and uh, opening up their church. So um, this is Judge Yvette Pennypacker. She made the ruling last Friday, citing the church's egregious conduct. The judge rejected the church's argument that the public health officer's orders prevented it from exercising its religious freedom or violated the Constitution. Do you see why I started off the show today with Thomas Paine and the founding fathers and the foundations of this country? Because I need us to remember as American citizens what this country was founded upon and what we are supposed to be fighting to conserve. Because right now. The degeneracy, the, the lawlessness, the criminal activity that has been allowed to prosper in this nation has gotten so out of hand and it's become so normal to us to see uh, nude homeless camps in California and looters walking out with piles of clothes uh, because they can. It's become so normal to us that we forget the foundations of this country. We forget what the Constitution stands for. We forget the freedoms and rights, for example, our Second Amendment, which has been severely impeded upon. We'll talk about Daniel Perry here in Austin, Texas, where I am from later on in this show. Uh, Again, uh, because I haven't been back for two weeks, we are going to kind of brush up on some stories I'm sure you guys have already heard on. But I'll give you my own two cents on it and we'll relate it to the modern day stories here. But again, you have California not focused in on the looting, not focused in on the stabbings, not focused in on the homeless crisis, the drug crisis, uh, businesses shutting down, crime running rampant, the DAs that are being uh, funded by private entities to, again, uh, continue this collapse of American cities. That's not what Gavin Newsom cares about. No, what he cares about and what the justice system in California cares about is is fining churches over a million dollars for having the audacity to exercise their First Amendment right of religion, right? Their, their, their First Amendment right to express their religion, to exercise their ability to worship. There you go. There is California in the modern day. And again, I, I'm not trying to be too negative on this because I don't want to all the buck-pilled after this episode. But One of the reasons why, too, I'm not going to lie to you guys because, you know, I'm very, very honest. I have been traveling quite a bit. I have been between uh, four different cities, four different states over the past two weeks. That doesn't seem like a lot to, uh, you know, like maybe are people like a Jack Posobiec or a Charlie Kirk or an Alex Jones who are traveling all the time. But for me, it's a lot. All right. I like having my schedule. Uh, But on top of the traveling, it was also like. I don't know how to digest where our country is currently at without just completely being negative. And I don't want to be a part of the outrage culture, but when I see where our country is currently at, it, I don't have a positive message and I don't like that. So there are times where I take a step back from doing the show because I think that there are people in this industry that can articulate where we are better than I can. And emotionally, I'll talk to you guys about it. You know, I went to New York. I went to DC when I was in DC, there was supposed to be the trans day of vengeance, which they canceled because after uh, the trans shooter, Audrey Hale went and killed innocent Christian children. uh, The trans people canceled their day of vengeance out of safety concerns for themselves. There were still two people that showed up and I spoke to them. It was, uh, It was just a heartbreaking conversation to have because I was talking to this transgender person who genuinely said, I self-harm because I want to be seen. Transgender people commit suicide because we want to be seen. And the modern day United States is essentially the beginnings of Nazi Germany for trans people because we won't give kids transition surgery. So I went through that in D.C. and then I hopped over to New York City where I was speaking to a fat black woman in white face saying that we should kill all white people. And then I was made fun of and told that it was performance art to which I would respond, "Okay, let's take a flat, a fat. White woman in blackface and have her go scream, uh, "Let's kill all black people!" and see if we can write that off as performance art. I don't think we'd be able to do that very well. Uh, that happened, and then at that same day, I got mobbed by Antifa. So, to be quite honest with you guys, I'm a little bit burned out. I'm a little bit frustrated with where our country is at. If you want to see what happened in New York, go watch my latest video. I try to make it fun. I try to make it jovial. But to be quite honest with you guys, I am tired of the police standing down. I am tired of domestic terrorists running rampant. I am tired of the borders being open. I'm tired of criminals running these streets. I'm tired of the. Car- cartels running the border. I am tired of the inflation rates, the high gas prices, the proxy war in Russia and Ukraine, the government continuing to lie to us, the whistleblower that just came out, by the way who told us the truth about what's happening on the ground in Ukraine. Uh, Surprise, surprise, they're not doing very well over there. It seems like Russia is actually gaining ground and I'm sorry that I'm speaking so quickly here, but I'm just upset. I'm not happy with where our country is at. And I always wanna be a positive force for you guys and give you a positive message. But when I see videos like this of the Chicago looting that happened this past weekend, let me just play it for you. Feel positive about the trajectory of our country. This happened this past weekend in Chicago, and these young teenagers decided to just mob up and terrorize the city. This is a compilation of them jumping on vehicles, looting stores, harassing people, attacking people, You When I go out on the street and I try to go simply talk to people and I get shoved and pushed around by grown men... And I'm told that I'm a white supremacist Nazi because I have the audacity to go speak to people. It doesn't make me feel good about the state of our country. And again, that's why I wanted to start us off on a positive note. I apologize that I'm going off on my tangent here, but I haven't spoken to you guys in two weeks and I am pissed off. I'm tired of the ineffective leaders in office who lie to us, who target us, who persecute the average American who is just trying to express their constitutional rights. We have gone so far away from, again, the foundations of this country And it's horrific to me. It's absolutely horrific. So this happened in Chicago this past weekend where there was looting, there was rioting. uh, There was a white woman that got beat up by a group of black teenagers, which a lot of people did point out. Hey, let's reverse the races here and see how differently the United States and the media would respond to this situation. Now, when I watch these types of clips, that's not where my mind goes to immediately. It's not a race thing for me. My mind immediately goes to... How is it that we have groups of young Americans who think that this type of behavior is okay? Culturally, how did we get to the point where we have these young group of kids who have been emboldened to go loot and riot, to go raid gas stations, to go attack people on the streets and think that it's funny and okay and to record it? How did we get to this point? It's because we have no law and order in this country. It's because we or the participation trophy generation who says, you can't spank your kids, you can't discipline your kids. Everybody needs to get a participation trophy. We can't enact the law because that's racist. Uh, We need to dumb down the education system so everybody has the same opportunity for equity purposes. Look where our country is at. It's in an absolute mess. It is chaotic and it's in shambles. And by the way, we were celebrating that uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot got ousted as the mayor of Chicago, because she was just absolutely horrific. And she looked like a fish. Okay. Like if you took a fish and you like evolved it into a human being, it would have been Lori Lightfoot. It was absolutely terrifying. I'm not even trying to be rude. That's just honest to me. Like her eyes were like, like that. It was just, it was not a good thing. So we were celebrating mayor Lori Lightfoot being ousted, but guess what? The mayor elect, his name is, um, I believe it's Brandon Johnson, okay? New mayor-elect, even more progressive than Lori Lightfoot. So short-lived celebration on that one, RIP to Chicago. So you guys just saw with your own two eyes what happened this weekend, okay? Horrific, not okay, not good activity. Why are these children doing this? So the mayor-elect comes out and this was his response. In no way do I condone the destructive activity we saw on the loop in Lakefront this weekend. It is unacceptable and has no place in our city. However, it is not constructive to demonize youth who have otherwise been starved of opportunities in their own communities. That's right, my friends. Not the mayor-elect coming forward and saying... Yeah, this type of activity is not okay. And we are going to prosecute all of these people to the full extent of the law. So these juveniles learn a very important lesson and they become better members of society later on as adults. No, he says, well, because they're black, like th- that's why that th- this happened because they've been starved of opportunities. So they had no other choice. And if you really think, like, again, I'm, I really, I hate making things racial. I don't like doing it. But, the entire problem with our country in the modern day is that the left wing has uh weaponized race against us and this is a great example of it right where it's like oh well these young kids were just starved of opportunity because of their race so we cannot condemn them in any way shape or form it's like no it's not that they were starved of opportunity it's that we have weaponized racism in this country to now make it to where uh certain communities minority communities don't have to face any consequence for their actions so they're wild out they're looting they're rioting they are uh, attacking people and it's not okay and then you have mayor-elects of chicago coming forward and basically saying well it's not their fault here is that same uh mayor-elect talking about looting he refuses to condemn looting uh because again you know i can only imagine that his mind is just like well it's for reparation purposes let's listen Loot because they that's how they can eat the real answer is how do we make sure the question is, how do we make sure that people can eat? Look, no one is going to condone um, you know, behavior that, that, quite frankly, speaks to a level of desperation. So you're not, you're not condoning of, looting. I, I'm saying that people are acting out of desperation. We don't want a society that is acting out of desperation. But you have to pay attention to the cries that people have. By so you're, ignoring. you're not that, condoning looting there's no way to 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 embrace that what i'm saying is you can't condone the looting that corporations continue to do every single day when they take tax dollars from black brown white folks okay that's my favorite part of this whole clip because he's like well the corporations are looting from the american people by taking taxes away from us and i'm like okay who implemented those taxes i'm pretty sure it was the u.s government and uh if we should be upset about taxes. Against the people, uh, you know, with any organization, it should be us angry at the U.S. government, not these corporations who, again, are operating under government laws. It's just so backwards to me. It really is. But you have this entire weaponized mindset and victimhood mentality where it's like, well, the corporations owe these inner city communities. And you know what? I have been looking into this a lot, too. And another really uh, interesting viewpoint, because uh, apparently these two like white liberal NPR hosts were talking about how uh, this Walmart shouldn't have been in this inner city. I can't remember which city this was in, but I was reading like a a tweet thread about it. So these white liberal NPR hosts are like, Oh yeah. Like Walmart is just such an evil corporation. Like they shouldn't be in this inner city. And then members of that same community were like, yeah, no, we need the basic necessities. We're, uh, we don't have a supermarket that's close to us where we can get them. So actually we'd like to have this Walmart here, but what's, what ends up happening is, and again, I'll, I'll talk about this here in a moment with Portland because we just covered California. We're going to be covering Portland here in a minute. Um, you don't prosecute crimes. And so a lot of these, uh, inner city communities, like their local grocery stores get looted and then the grocery stores shut down because they're like, F this, bro, this isn't worth it. Like we are losing, uh, hundreds of thousands, if not millions in products. Like eh, millions is probably a stretch, but they're losing a lot of money because again, they're, they're opening up their businesses in a lawless city where crime isn't prosecuted. So they closed down the business. And you know who is affected by that? The local communities there. That's who's affected by it. But anyways, uh, let's keep going on as well. I saw this clip. And I don't even know which part of America this was at. But I I just keep seeing more and more videos like this. So this woman, like is fighting with these other two women at a gas station, she rams into her car, and then she drives off into the intersection, flips her vehicle. And again, how did we get to a point where America is this lawless? How did we get to this period where this is our everyday? And again, too, I do not talk to you guys about this as somebody who's just scrolling on Twitter and has been radicalized by the tweets that I'm seeing online, no. I've seen this type of stuff with my own two eyes. I've gone and I've reported on the, on the homeless crisis, the border crisis, the drug crisis. I've done it all. I go out specifically onto the streets of America so I can be like, okay, how bad is it really out here? You know, a lot of you guys are like, oh, sad, you're so courageous. No, I'm not. I'm just curious. And I want to know if what I'm being told online is true. So I go out to these cities, I see it for myself and I'm like, wow, yeah, this is actually a lot worse than um, it is online. Now, this is another thing. That happened in New York. Uh, this also happened last week. And um, this is a smoke shop in New York City where a guy just gets point blank shot in the head guy goes back in for a double tap shoots this guy again. Uh, this footage horrified and shocked so many people which by the way this happened in new york city and they have some of the strictest gun laws so how did this happen can somebody can somebody answer that for me because i just am super confused as to how uh gun control didn't work in a city with some of the strictest gun control rules how how are people still getting shot in the head point blank i don't know um But that's New York City. I already showed you California. We'll get into Portland, Oregon here in a second. I just showed you Chicago. And we see all of this just straight up degradation. We see the politicians in office just trashing and stomping on the Constitution, basically burning the American flag symbolically of everything that it stands for. And then Coming out and tweeting stuff like this, this is from Joe Biden's intern, because we all know homeboy is incapable of running his own phone, Uh, tweeted this out just today. Bad assault weapons require safe storage of firearms, require background checks for all gun sales, eliminate gun manufacturers, immunity from liability. We can and must do these things now. Now, a lot of people in the comments saying like, okay, all this is unconstitutional. My initial response to this is, I don't think I've ever seen somebody buy a gun without a background check. People already safely storing their firearms. Uh, Assault weapons. What is that? A freaking butter knife can be an assault weapon. These hands can be an assault weapon. Joe Biden. Eliminate gun manufacturers immunity from liability. Okay, we'll do that when we uh, we eliminate the immunity from liability for big pharma corporations like Pfizer or Moderna. Because uh, let's not forget all of the people who had uh, ridiculous side effects now have myocarditis, pericarditis, the children and young adults that died as a direct result of their product, their vaccine that the government pushed. But no, it's the gun manufacturers immunity from liability. We're trying to take away. It's an absolute freaking joke. So, again, your government doesn't care about you. And I don't mean to be so aggressive this stream. I don't even know how I got off on this tangent. I tried to be calm with you guys. And I apologize if the energy is just too angry right now. Uh, but again. This is my therapy session where I'm like, hey, does anybody else agree with where we're at right now? Does anybody else read this type of nonsense and just think, hey, President Joe Biden, can you stop trying to trample on our constitutional rights on the foundation of this country? By the way, why the hell would we give up our guns when the lawless cities in this country are weaponized against the average American citizen who does want to follow the law? Again, we'll be getting into Daniel Perry, who uh, shot a BLM writer in self-defense and was just found guilty by a jury here in Austin, Texas. Nice and liberal over here. We have a Soros-funded DA, my friends. We'll be getting getting into that shortly. But before you do, or before we do, let me go off on what I wish we would see more of here in the United States. Now, uh, I saw this clip circulating. I'm not sure if it's recent or if it's from maybe 2020. I don't know. Uh, the person that posted the clip didn't put what time it was from. But what's happening in the clip is absolutely amazing. So this is a mother who sees her son at a riot and goes and and uh, basically beats his ass and is like, what the hell are you doing out here? And to be quite honest with you, this is what I wish we would see more of. And I'm, I'm you know, using this as a caveat to calm myself down and to bring us into maybe calmer reporting here but i wish we would see more of this in the united states watch this clip it's absolutely incredible captivated by a baltimore mother reading the riot act to her 16 year old son f- <laughs> to, be- to remove him from the riot to here Get the f- over here. we now know her name is toya graham and she's a single mom of five girls and a boy Okay, I love this clip because if more parents did that in the United States of America, our country would look way different if more people started disciplining their kids. I just thought that this was great and I wanted to bring it into the show because like I said, we're getting into a lot of heavy stuff. I really do feel like the United States of America that my parents lived through, that my grandparents lived through no longer exists. I really don't. I've talked to my parents about this many times before as well and I've already expressed to them like, look, if I get stabbed by Antifa, like I've already made peace with that, not because I'm antagonizing them, not because I'm asking for it, but because by simply standing on the streets of the United States of America and trying to go and report and do my job or even go speak to people, I have been so violently shut down so many times that this is something that I've just made peace with. And I know that the police are not going to help me. I know that this is where we're at as a country. I know that if I try to defend myself as well, that the police are going to come after me. They're going to put me in jail. I am going to be the one that is, on trial for defending myself. So to me, I feel like my right to defend myself no longer exists. My uh, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom of religion at this point, I wouldn't say freedom of religion so much. I feel like that first story kind of triggered that for me. But um, yeah, freedom of the press no longer exists in this country. It's, it's a joke. And People might be tuning in for the first time, be like, wow, this girl's really dramatic. But again, you guys need to remember that I was banned off of Twitter for two years. I'm now back on because of Elon Musk. But I had to fight just to get my journalism out for two years. And now I'm having to fight to be able to just stand on the streets of the United States of America to report on what's really going on. And do I think that the police are ever going to defend me or protect me? No, I don't. Because uh, about four or five times now I've gone up to police while actively being hunted or attacked and they've just gone, maybe you shouldn't be here. Maybe you shouldn't put yourself in this situation then. And I'm like, okay, right, right. My apologies. It's my fault for putting myself in this situation, not the entire country's fault or maybe the police force's fault for not enforcing the law. But okay. Now, I told you we were going to get into uh, a little bit more of the West Coast here. Let's take a peek on how uh, Portland is doing. Portland REI location increases security following three break-ins in one week. Now, apparently, this is the only REI location in all of Portland. And they are actually closing their location uh, because of the amounts of break-ins. They had three break-ins in one week. This story came out a story actually came out last year. Um, my good friend Ari Hoffman had retweeted this article and said that this REI is now officially closing down. Um, but again, just from November of last year, what they have been going through is looters driving their vehicles into the glass doors of these stores to go loot the stores. Uh, so... This business now officially closing in Portland. Uh, we also have another Portland cafe that is closing its downtown location as staff and customers complain of extreme violence and criminal activity. That is the uh, Coava coffee roasters. They just announced this last week that they will be closing down due to the violence. And, uh, Again, too, what is our judicial system focused in on? And uh, that's Portland. This is New York. We're going to be I'm going to be touching on the uh, Trump indictment a little bit now as well. But one of the consistent themes that I continue to see is. A lot of the prosecutors in these cities, instead of going after the looters, the rioters, the murderers, the drug addicts, uh, trying to get the cities under control, they're focused in on these inconsequential issues like. Arresting Donald Trump, for example, Okay, now this uh, tweet came out two weeks ago when Donald Trump was indicted. This is, I believe, the first time a former president is officially indicted. And again, this had severe repercussions for the country. Because we all know that this is political. We all know that they're targeting Donald Trump because they do not want him to run again. They view him as a threat and they do not want him to be in any position of power. Now, Donald Trump did say originally that they're not coming after him. They're coming after you and me. He's just in the way. And this is another example of that. Donald Trump was legitimately elected by the American people. Remember back in the day in the early 2000s, he was beloved by all. He was an American businessman. You had rappers uh, name dropping him in their songs. You had the average American looking up to Donald Trump as the American dream, an icon, right? And now he's being indicted by some rogue prosecutor. I believe Alvin Bragg also saw us funded in New York City. And I feel like this tweet from uh, Victor Hansen perfectly encapsulates, he's from the Hoover Institute, what the repercussions of this indictment are. All right. And I was hearing this same rhetoric from the New Yorkers on the ground. He says, should we laugh or cry when Alvin Bragg today said he indicted Trump because he would not normalize criminal activity? This from a politicized prosecutor who systematically has normalized violent crime in New York City by not charging arrested felons or releasing violent arrested criminals without bail and who staffed and redundant indictments of Trump have serially and feloniously been leaked. Who will police the police? And that is the entire problem. Because again, uh, I believe Alvin, Alvin Bragg has Donald Trump on, it's either over 20 or 30 felony counts. Okay. It's some ridiculous amount. And people have gone over it and been like, okay, so this is basically the exact same felony count over and over and over again on some like, I believe it was 34 felony counts. Like I said, guys, I've just been burned out on this and I haven't even wanted to follow it. I'm like, I don't want to follow this rogue DA's prosecution of Donald Trump. It's BS. It's not even worth my time. I don't even care about this. It's nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. It's nonsense that the district attorney in New York City is going after Donald Trump when, again, you go to New York on the subway and you have to cross your fingers and hope you don't get stabbed to death. Again, I'm not trying to be uh, facetious here or dramatic. I've, I've gone to New York City multiple times. It's not a safe city. I don't feel comfortable walking on the streets there. You can go look up the crime statistics. I've gone and I've reported on this stuff. It's it's a hellhole over there. And I specifically went to New York City for the indictment, and I was talking to New Yorkers. who were like, yeah, you know, even the anti-Trump New Yorkers were like, this probably isn't a good utilization of public resources we probably should be focusing in on the crime rates here go look at my twitter account like i said if i'm not here i am posting on twitter and uh all my on the ground reporting again i talked to people on both the right and the left and everybody agreed that new york city is out of control whether it's the uh you know, on the leftist side, they'll say, oh, it's the price of housing. It's insane. We can't get it under control. This and that is happening. Social justice, blah, blah, blah. And then on the right, they'll be like, yeah, the crime is out of control. The drug issue is out of control. Like either way on the left and the right, nobody legitimately thinks that Donald Trump should be indicted and that uh, public resources specifically in New York should be used for this. So uh, again, it's just an absolute, like, clown show so i had to take a moment there to be like what's the pg version of what this should be called because my mind is just uncensored right now and i'm just not happy with where our country is currently at and it's because i read stories like this one as well from the new york post this came out um la- or two weeks ago and i read the story and it was just absolutely heartbreaking to me we're still in new york here bronx judge rips grieving mom before cutting her son's accused killer loose this story is uh going to evoke a lot of emotion and you guys just like it did for me because it's just horror it's just horrific so um basically a soft on crime bronx judge ripped a grieving mom in court before cutting her teen son accused killer free without bail bronx criminal court judge natai samange on wednesday refused to delay the arraignment of ex-con tyrese minter for just a few minutes so that the heartbreak heartbroken mom of teen victim corday scott could face the accused killer according to the court transcripts what does that have to do with what we're doing here the judge snapped at bronx prosecutor christopher conway when he asked if the judge could wait for the mother of this teen that was killed by the way he's like hey you know the mom's running a couple minutes late can we just can we just uh, just wait just a minute and this judge is like no what does this have to do with anything why why does the mother need to be here Uh, Conway said, Glenn was in the hallway outside the courtroom. I understand that you might want her to be sitting here in the courtroom, but what does that have to do with the actual task at hand? The judge told the prosecutor, judge, our preference would be to wait because this is a homicide case. And then the judge goes, oh, your preference. So (sighs) this is the judge right here. Or I, I actually, is this, yeah, this is the judge. This is the criminal court judge. This mother loses her teenage son to a repeat criminal. I want to read you guys the story here as well. This is the the young boy that died. So Minter, 28, was charged with strangling uh, his 15-year-old stepson inside the family's Bronx apartment. He was being arraigned on manslaughter and negligent homicide charges. He was already on parole after serving state prison time in a 2019 felony assault conviction for pistol whipping the victim and shooting him three times in the back. Prosecutor said he had only been released from prison a month before the teenager's strangulation death. So uh, there you guys go. You have a, a criminal court judge who instead of, you know, trying to work with the grieving mother who just lost her son is uh, letting this criminal out on bail is uh, upset with the prosecutor for asking to wait for the mother to be in the courtroom as they're talking about this horrific crime, this trial. That's what's going on in the United States of America. That's how the judicial system is treating the victims of horrific crimes. And speaking of which, we are going to talk about Daniel Perry now. And uh, this case has been close to my heart because I do live in Austin, Texas. And I followed this back in 2020 because in Austin, Texas, I'm going to tell you what happened cut and dry here uh, because the media has been trying to warp this as much as they can. Daniel Perry was driving for Uber in downtown Austin. During 2020, these mobs of Antifa and BLM rioters thought that they could just take over the streets. He's driving down. They swarm his car. And uh, Garrett Foster, who is a BLM activist, points an AK-47 at at, uh, Perry. And Perry says, bam, self-defense, kills Garrett Foster. and A jury here in Austin, Texas has decided that Perry was guilty. Despite the police force and investigators initially at the time of that event being like, yeah, this was a clear cut self-defense case. Let me read to you a little bit from the local Fox 7 Austin outlet here. Uh, An attorney for Sergeant Daniel Perry has filed a motion for a new trial after a jury recently found Perry guilty of murder in the death of Black Lives Matter protester Garrett Foster in July of 2020. The attorney alleges in court that documents and key evidence were kept from the jurors And a lot of people, too, were talking about how the district attorney, who was, again, Soros-funded, Jose Garza, um, just very biased in this case. Now, Greg Abbott is trying to pardon Daniel Perry right now, and I hope that actually happens. Because, again, I looked at all of the footage of this case, and it's super funny, too, uh, because, by the way, there were activist jury members. Now, uh, again, going back to our constitutional rights, you're supposed to have the right to an impartial jury, right? So a jury who sees the case, looks at all of the facts, and decides whether you're guilty or not. But impartial juries in 2023 no longer exist, and it's really funny because in this article as well, the defense claims that evidence would have proven Foster as the intimidator and proved these protests were not as peaceful as some testimony led the jury to believe. The motion adds the jury was subjected to outside influence. According to the defense, a juror revealed another juror conducted research at home during the overnight break and presented that research to the rest of the jury. It was also said that an alternate juror did not verbally participate in deliberations but did make reaction noises expressing displeasure with certain comments made by the jury. So there's your impartial. Jury jury in the United States of America. And then um, let me see if I have the article here as well. I guess I didn't pull it up, but there was also an NBC article that basically said that Daniel Perry had shared white supremacist memes about Killing rioters and looters. And it's just so funny too, because it was like, yeah, you know what? If I'm honest, a lot of people in 2020 were upset with the rioters and looters. Not saying that everyone was like, oh, we need to kill them, but a lot of people were like, we want to see these people brought to justice. It's not okay for looters to go and destroy businesses of a single mom, a black owned business, an American business. It doesn't matter your race, your gender, your ethnicity. It's not okay for anybody to loot your business. And a lot of people were like, yeah, why are these people being brought to justice? And they were like, do we need the rooftop Koreans to come back? What happened? Like, why aren't the police not doing anything? And so Daniel Perry was sharing memes like the the infamous, it's okay to be white picture. And now NBC is writing hit pieces about how he's a a horrible white supremacist, about how he had um, uh, basically decided beforehand that he was gonna run over looters and rioters. And it was like, Yeah, he was talking about how if his car got surrounded by a mob, he was going to defend himself, which he did. So again, this is a clear-cut case to me. You guys can go and read that for yourself and uh, decide on your own. But again, if a mob is surrounding your vehicle and a rioter is pointing a gun at you, you do have the right to defend yourself. And you guys can go look. It's going to be difficult as well. This is the problem with the mainstream media, right? Is if you do not start paying attention to a news story immediately from the independent angle... The mainstream is going to run with their version of the truth and all of the evidence that would, again, have proven that Daniel Perry was the one that was being attacked, the one that was shooting in self-defense, all of that gets erased because the mainstream media doesn't like that very much. Now, how did we get to this point in society? We got to this point because we have leaders like John Letterman in office now. Now, John Fetterman just today made his triumphant return to the Senate. We have been waiting for this man to reemerge for, I believe, 60 days now because he had to go to a mental health institute because he was dealing with such extreme depression that he couldn't even do his job. That is a leader of Philadelphia. Pennsylvania. John Fetterman just released from the hospital today. That is why America is imploding. Because we have like literally brain dead leaders that are leading this country, whether it's Joe Biden, John Fetterman, or people like AOC, who are now trying to gaslight the American public and make them think that, oh, uh, by the way, it's actually the Republicans who are the party of chaos and disorderly conduct. Now, this was her response to, I believe this was Daniel Perry in that case because Greg Abbott came forward and said, hey, I'm going to pardon him. You know, this was a self-defense case. And uh, this, this jury that was very much swayed by outside opinion, not impartial at all, and this district attorney that withheld specific evidence and was politically motivated, like, hey, this is not okay. Greg Abbott said he's going to come forward and pardon him. And then AOC comes out and says this. For all of their talk of a crime wave and Democrats talk, uh, Republicans talking about crime waves across the country, the crime wave is within the Republican Party. So the crime wave is within the Republican Party. Yes, because it was not the Republican Party that has been calling for us to secure our borders, to arrest criminals, to stop Uh, young women from brutally murdering their children uh it's not the republican party who has been trying to institute law and order somewhat stop the proxy war in russia and ukraine no we are the party of chaos of disorderly conduct it's just such gaslighting to me and again i could give you better examples but it's 10 p.m so uh, my brain isn't as sharp as it should be because i've been researching all of this for you today and i could give you 10 more examples here But we need to move on um but again, it's like the left wing does this so beautifully where they are inverting reality and they make it seem like conservatives. Because, again, I don't even group conservatives, Republicans or even like right wingers on the same group. Uh, Republicans are essentially, again, an extension of the Democratic Party, uh, you know. An extension of the government. I don't like the Republican Party, to be quite honest, but let's be on- like, but let's be honest. They are not the ones that are pushing this chaos and this insanity. That's all the Democratic Party. But when uh, the United States of America gets to the point of implosion, they have to give us the whole uh, uno reverse card and say, well, actually, this is your fault. You know, we've seen that time and time again, the amount of things that the Biden administration has still blamed on Donald Trump, despite him being out of office for two years, has been Absolutely ridiculous. So these are our leaders in office, right? It's the Joe Bidens, the John Fettermans, the AOCs. And now we have the uh, Tennessee Three. This is also another thing that happened over the past two weeks while it was gone. So basically, these three uh, Tennessee congressmen led a mob into the House while they were voting on, uh, I believe it was transgender, or no, yeah. It was either like trans, yeah, okay. So this is what the bill, they were voting on a bill to basically make schools safer. And this happened after transgender shooter, uh, Audrey Hale went and killed innocent Christian children. So this was being voted on in Tennessee. And then these three, these two congressmen, one Congresswoman, uh, basically let a mob into the house while they were trying to make this vote. Uh, you know, we would typically call that a violent insurrection, but when the left wing does it, it's absolutely okay. And again, this is what they were, they were, uh, basically fighting against. So the Tennessee Three, they were protesting against House Bill 322. It had passed in Tennessee with bipartisan support, and the bill heightened school safety for public and private schools. The bill required schools to lock exterior doors while students were present, conduct bus safety drills and armed intruder drills, install classroom door locks and secure visitor entry vestibules, have threat assessment teams, perform annual active shooter training for security guards, and uh, they all voted against it. So this was a very for the left-wing, historic and iconic scene, right? You had the Tennessee Three here who stood up against gun violence by leading a mob into the uh, House chambers as they were voting for this bill. And again, this happened, I believe, like a week after the... Audrey Hale transgender shooting in which a transgender person targeted innocent Christian kids. Now, Kamala Harris, surprisingly enough, we did have a member of the Biden administration go to Tennessee. Uh, It was Kamala Harris, but do you think that she went to go speak to the grieving American families who lost their innocent children? Do you think that she went to speak to any of those six families that lost sweet babies, their family members? No, absolutely not. She went to go fight for the Tennessee Three and speak out for them. Listen to what she had to say. (laughs) So this woman is an absolute joke. And I love how she says you don't silence the people. You don't stifle the people. You don't turn off their microphones, even though that's the exact thing that the left wing does. To, I don't know, maybe angry parents who want to go speak to school boards about the pornographic books that their children are being shown. Uh, Maybe that's exactly what the left wing does when American citizens go to their city councils and say, hey, we don't like the progressive policies that you're pushing uh, towards the people. Maybe that's what the left wing does when uh, credentialed doctors who have been working in the, uh, you know, industry, like the heart industry, like Dr. Peter McCullough or Dr. Robert Malone has worked with mRNA technologies or have worked with uh, cardiac. Type, I guess, services his entire life. The actual, like, terminology, what he would be called, escapes me right now. But... The left wing silenced all of these people. They stifled all of these people. They cut off the microphones for all of these people. And those were just a very few examples. I can sit here and give you a multitude. But again, it's Kamala Harris who goes and stands up for these ridiculous Congress people who, again, by the way, uh, one of them was Representative Gloria Johnson, who said that she wasn't expelled from the Tennessee House uh, because it was, I want to get their names correct here. It was Representative Justin Jones, Justin Pearson, and then Gloria Johnson. They all led, again, a mob into uh, the Tennessee State House. And then they were expelled for it. Here's the, and again, I know this is kind of repetitive, but I just want people to really like not forget the details of this case, because this is something that's going to be brought up for years to come. So I want us to make sure we have all of the facts here. So this is the official release from one of the other state res- representatives that did vote for the expulsion, just so we could all remember what happened here. Uh, so yesterday afternoon, the Tennessee House of Representatives, this was on April 7th, took up consideration of three House joint resolutions seeking to expose three members of the House, Gloria Johnson, Justin Jones, and Justin Pearson, for their intentional interruption of House proceedings. Now, this is what they did. The three members did enter the well of the House without recognition by the Speaker of the House, which is a violation of the permanent rules of the House. Uh, Representative Jones and Pearson began speaking into the microphone without being recognized, which is why they got expelled. Also a violation of House rules and shouting to the crowd in the gallery. The Speaker of the House quickly called the three members to be out of order. They refused to yield to the Speaker and continued to disrupt the proceedings. The Speaker then gavelled the House into a recess and called for leadership from both parties to join him on the uh, day to discuss how to proceed the recess during the recess jones representative jones pulled a bullhorn out of his coat and began using it to lead the members of the gallery in chants and shouting political protest rhetoric. Jones and Pearson then passed the bullhorn back and forth, taking turns shouting their protest rhetoric and inciting the crowd in the gallery. Representative Johnson stood with them in the well the entire time and joined in their chants and incitement of the protesters in the gallery until members of the House Democratic leadership forcefully removed them from the well and took them into a side room off the chamber floor. Now, Representative Gloria Johnson said that the uh, two Black, the two young Black members were expelled and she wasn't because she's white and they were Black. But actually, she had a legal representation come forward and basically argue as to why she shouldn't be expelled. The other two representatives did not do that. Also, a lot of the... Um, Other representatives who because she was almost expelled that she wasn't expelled by just one vote. They were like, well, she wasn't as active in leading this mob. She wasn't bullhorning. She wasn't as, I guess, out of order as these other two were. But of course, she goes on CNN and she says, "Um, yeah, uh, I think it's pretty clear. I'm a six year old white woman and they're two young black men. That's why they were expelled. And I was not. Democrats love making everything racial. It's an absolute freaking joke. So that's what happened in Tennessee, right? It's absolutely ridiculous. And then also, too, to give you a more insight into who our elected leaders in the modern day are, uh, Justin Pearson, one of the expelled members, who, again, has already been reinstated, by the way, wore a dashiki on the floor of the Tennessee State House on his first day of work in February. He was then disciplined by the speaker for failing to meet the expected dress code, which he then branded as white supremacy. And I forgot to read in that Snopes article as well about Gloria Johnson She talks about as well how uh, during their interruption of the vote in the House, how, again, all of the members were like, hey, you're out of order. Uh, You need to uh, basically act like the other members here. You need to maybe have some decorum, maybe not lead an angry mob and try to incite them into violence into the House. Like You're not allowed to do that. And so Gloria Johnson comes forward and she's like, I just couldn't believe that the other congressmen and the other members of the house were trying to tell these two black men that they needed to act like them, that they needed to act like the other members. It was horrific. And again, this is just like the absolute state of um, our leadership in America here. They don't care about law. They don't care about order. They're like, we're going to come in we're going to do whatever the hell we want. And if you don't adhere to and apply to us rewriting the entire construct of this country, how laws are passed, how our House and Senate work on either a state or federal level, then we're just going to go ahead and scream racism. So uh, there you guys go. Now, uh, Justin Pearson, as well, a total fraud. I cut down this clip, but just to give you guys an example of the complete clown show. That the leftist leadership is in the modern day. Here's Justin Pearson in 2016 um, running for I believe it's like a school council and his university uh, versus his his showmanship after being expelled from uh, the Tennessee legislature, which, by the way. um, Again, these two. Black legislators have already been reinstated. Watch this clip. Justin J. Pearson, and I'm running for president of PSG. It seemed like the NRA and gun lobbyists might win, but oh, that was good news for us. I don't know how long this Saturday in the state of Tennessee might last, but oh, we have good news, folks. We've got good news that Sunday always comes. If you're listening on the podcast, I wish you could see my face right now. The beginning of that clip that you heard was the same guy at the end of the clip. That was uh, Justin Pearson. And then the other state representative that got expelled was uh, Representative Justin Jones, who, by the way, from the post-millennial. Video shows reinstated Tennessee state representative Justin Jones stopping cars and assaulting drivers in the summer of love in 2020. So there you guys go. There are your modern day elected officials. And it gets even better, too, because let's just, you know, like go across the whole country and kind of uh, audit everybody here. Let's take a peek at California Senator Scott Wiener. I'm sure you guys have heard of this guy. He was leading a drag protest in San Francisco uh, just a couple weekends ago, claiming to be fighting back against fascism. But let's remind ourselves of uh, Weiner's record. This comes from Ollie London on Twitter. He introduced a law to take pedophiles off the sex offenders registry. He pushed for prisons to allow transgender inmates to choose whether they, want. they went to a male or female prison. He made California a sanctuary state for kids to receive medical transitions, removing parental rights completely. He promotes hormones, puberty blockers, and double mastectomies for young teens. He introduced a bill to decriminalize dangerous drugs. He made safe sites for drug addicts to take fentanyl, heroin, and meth that uh, in public in public on the streets. So um, that's your average California senator. That is your average Tennessee state representative. That is your average congresswoman in New York City. That is your average president of the United States. Because please do remember, let's not forget that Karine Jean Pierre are dumb press secretary after the shooting in which, again, innocent Christian children were killed in Tennessee by a transgender shooter, she and the entire Biden administration decided to come out and say that it was the transgender community that was being victimized. It was the transgender community that needed backing, not the Christian community that had been targeted in a hate crime. By the way, let's say uh, take a peek as well at what the Department of Justice is focused in on, not the organized crime that is running rampant across uh, the entire United States, not the uptick in transgender assaults and shootings and violence. Uh, the DOJ is now admitting that another 40 undercover agents were with the Proud Boys on January 6th from the Homeland Security investigations. The vast majority of the group was paid by the government as either W-2 employees or CHS. On top of that, it has also been discovered that the DOJ is targeting Catholic churches and is trying to basically entrap Catholics. Go look into that one as well. Uh, I brought this up too in San Francisco how Riley Gaines, this happened a couple weeks ago, but she basically went to go speak. against biological men men competing in women's sports. She was like, hey, this is not cool. I had to compete against Leah Thomas, the biological male. I didn't like it. Let me say women's sports. She went to San Francisco State University. Uh, She was basically held hostage. She was held hostage. She was locked into a closet by campus police or whoever was there supposed to be protecting her. And the group of these activists were like, if you pay us, we'll go home. But if you don't, like she's staying here. She's a Nazi, she's a fascist, take whatever you know name of the book you want to. And then um, the university vice president came forward and basically were like, we stand by our students who held this woman hostage. That wasn't their exact terminology. Their exact terminology was like, we support all of our students who participated peacefully in Thursday evening's events because holding somebody hostage who you don't agree with politically is now peaceful. Uh, By the way, guys, we still don't know where the manifesto for the transgender shooter Audrey Hale is, because that was supposed to be made public. That manifesto still has not. Uh, Glenn Greenwald giving us an update. We've spoken with two major law firms in Nashville who said they'd send retainer letters to represent us, suing FBI and the Nashville Police Department to obtain the manifesto of the Nashville shooter, only to back out at the last second. The political pressures are intense. We should see it. So we still have not seen that manifesto. A lot of people saying, well, it's probably because... I'm sure the transgender ideology was very much, uh, you know, it played a part in the shooting against Christians because Audrey Hale was a former student at this Christian school. This was a hate crime point, point blank, but the manifesto is never going to be released. They're trying to get it released and uh, everybody is trying to stop that from happening. So. It's. It's just it's just been a heavy time in the United States of America. I'm not going to lie to you guys. But I'll leave you guys on a positive note. We're going to talk about Elon Musk and Twitter because I don't want to be so blackpilling in this episode. A lot of bad things have been happening, but a lot of good things have been happening too. Now, one of the reasons why the media has been so upset and quitting Twitter is because Elon Musk has been labeling them state-affiliated media. And mwah, chef's kiss. We love to see it, my friends. Now, Elon Musk has been basically saying to NPR, uh, PBS, because PBS has joined NPR in quitting Twitter, as well as uh, CBC, which is the uh, Canadian broadcasting channel. I don't know if that's it's CBC. It's Canadian. Right. It's basically like their PBS or their NPR. And Elon Musk has been labeling all of these organizations as government-funded or state-affiliated media because that's exactly what they are. They're paid for. The government pays them, and then they put out positive stories about the government. That's state-affiliated media. So uh, Elon has put this label on them, and they have been in such a tizzy, they've been in such an uproar that they have been banning Twitter, or they have been stopping the usage of their Twitter accounts. Yeah, essentially like essentially banning Twitter for their own organizations, right? They're like, we're not going to use Twitter anymore because they said that they were were government funded, which they are go look at who funds NPR. They do get money from the government, as does PBS. And it's hilarious too, because Zero Hedge put out this headline, right? Publicly funded PBS joins NPR in twitting Quitting Twitter. Sorry, I'm getting all tongue-tied today. Elon Musk responds saying publicly funded PBS joins publicly funded NPR and leaving Twitter in a huff after being labeled publicly funded. And then RFK Jr. says of the 319 million Bill Gates gave to media outlets by November 2021, NPR received Just a little bit over 24 million of that, and PBS got at least 4 million. In return, those public interest broadcasters aired flattering reports on Gates' corrupt self-dealing and profiteering on his global vaccine projects and his hostile takeover of the WHO. Gates' climate strategy is top-down social control and geoengineering projects for which he owns the IP. While shorting Tesla, he has invested heavily in fossil fuels, rail, private jet companies and chemical pesticides and petroleum-based AG. He accurately characterizes his approach as philanthropic. Philanthropic capitalism, a strategy of amplifying his billions by appearing to solve social problems with technologies that he controls and profits from. And again, NPR and PBS, another thing that he controls and profits from. So uh, CBC, again, Canadian broadcasting, uh, Justin Trudeau today came out and he was extremely upset, saying, oh, this is clearly independent media. How dare Elon Musk label them as government funded media? My good friend Nick Sorter says, CBC quit Twitter due to Elon Musk properly labeling them government-funded, even though they've already admitted to being government-funded to the tune of over $1.5 billion per year. I guess transparency isn't really their thing. And uh, again, the reason why the media is having such a meltdown over this is because Elon is exposing who funds them. Elon is exposing the outside interests that are invested in NPR story in the mainstream media stories right that they're giving to the American public and by the way MSNBC this clip is just so hilarious this came out a while ago but it's just so good to reiterate and rehash uh, because as you're listening to this clip from MSNBC think about what this sounds like okay think about what they're saying and what it sounds like in relation to conservatives being on Twitter. Listen to this quote. You own all of Twitter or Facebook or what have you. You don't have to explain yourself. You don't even have to be transparent. You could secretly ban one party's candidate or all of its candidates, all of its nominees, or you could just secretly turn down the reach of their stuff and turn up the reach of something else. And the rest of us might not even find out about it till after the election. Elon Musk says this is all to help people because he is just a free speech philosophically clear open-minded helper. Okay. I believe this is Ari Melbourne. Sir, as a an independent journalist myself, that's exactly what the left wing did to conservatives or right wingers or just anybody who was willing to tell the truth over the past two years. And Elon Musk knows it very well. It was uh, ALX on Twitter who shared this. He said, I still can't believe this clip is real. And Elon responded with, this is actually what they did. Going forward, this platform will be fair and transparent. And let me give you an example, okay? So Elon sat down with the BBC and... uh. They were talking about how there's a rise in hate speech on Twitter since Elon took over. And I'm sure you guys have already seen this clip, but it is just so perfect that we're going to play it again here because this is the average modern day media. Right. Uh, just like MSNBC just said, oh well, Elon Musk can decide who sees what uh, he can silence political opinions. He can elevate or, uh, you know, hamper certain people. And honestly, from what I've seen from Elon, like he just wants people to know the truth. And this uh, interview with the BBC perfectly encapsulates his mindset, right? Because the BBC tried to say there's a rise in hate speech on the platform. And Elon Musk goes, OK, what what hate speech? And they can't respond. Watch. It's just perfect. You just said that if something is slightly sexist, that's hateful content. Does that mean that it should be banned? Well, you've asked me. You've asked me whether my feed, whether it's got less or more. I'd say it's got slightly more. That's Um, why I'm asking for examples. Right. Can you name one example? I, I honestly don't. Use, I, I, honestly, I you don't can't. You can't name I, a single example. I'll tell you why, because I don't actually use that for you feed anymore because I, I just don't particularly like it. But you said actually you've, a lot of people. A lot of people are quite similar. I only. Hang on a second. You said you've seen more hateful content, but you can't name a single example. Not even one. I'm not sure I've used that feed for the last. And that is your average American or British or Canadian mainstream media talking head. And the best part about this clip, too, is that uh, we had... Okay, because Elon actually was talking to uh, to uh, Tucker Carlson and this interview aired tonight. Absolutely hilarious because Tucker's like, you took away the New York Times... Twitter badge and verification and the New York Times had a huge meltdown over this and Elon's just laughing about it okay this is master level trolling here where Elon's just like yeah they are the Twitter equivalent of diarrhea and Tucker's just laughing at him about it and Elon's laughing about it because we all see the media for exactly what it is and that's why they're melting down because they know that they've lost control they know that Elon Musk is exposing them uh, via who pays them right and so you have people like this guy uh, Luke Zaleski who is the legal affairs coordinator for Conde Nast. He says Twitter is Elon's world. He paid $44 billion to dominate your attention, determine what you see. He knows he can manipulate his personal platform to be in a position powerful enough to crown kings, pick presidents, and help produce whatever personal or political outcome he wants. I just like, could you imagine if somebody took over twitter and was able to have that much power oh wait a minute the left wing did that for two years and it influenced the entire election during 2020 and most likely 2016 as well the entire mainstream media was pushing ridiculous propaganda that Donald Trump was tied to Russia that was debunked time and time again but again like I said when it is the left wing that is continuing to promote this corruption this degeneracy the lies what they can call you a white supremacist all day long they can get their facts completely wrong. They can lie with impunity. But as soon as anybody on the right wing just maybe even says a fact incorrectly and then comes out and corrects it immediately, we are public enemy number one. Elon Musk is public enemy number one. But again, the media is freaking out. And it's because of situations like this, right? Uh, this is from the Daily Loud's Twitter account. And it says a target security guard loses his mind and punches a customer asking for reparations. And then you have the clip here. Of a black person getting punched by a white security guard would evoke a lot of emotion and racial tensions, right? But then Elon Musk's Twitter, Elon Musk's fact check says, uh, Karen Ivory asked a cashier and manager about her shopping bill reparations and grew angry. Security attempted to remove her and she screamed and followed him to his office, forcing her way in. Police determined Ivory was the aggressor and she was placed under arrest. That's why the media is freaking out, because they know that they don't have the power that they used to over Twitter. They know that the energy is shifting. And I know that I gave you guys a lot of heavy news at the beginning of this show, but there are some positive linings here. Citizen journalism will continue to be so powerful, utilizing platforms like Twitter. Elon Musk really does care about the people. He does. I don't agree with everything that he does. I don't agree with his... uh, you know, push towards AI and putting microchips in people's brains. For me, that's just, you know, a step too far. But when it comes to allowing citizen journalists like myself to be back on Twitter and allowing truth to prosper on this platform, he is very much on board with that. And that's very commendable. His fact checks so far, I think I've only seen one or two that I've been like, okay, I don't really agree with that. But overall, they've been neutral. They've given people context. They've given people truth. He has been labeling uh, government-affiliated or state-affiliated media as as such. And that's an incredibly important thing. And the meltdowns from the mainstream media have been a true reflection of their real character, about what they really think about the American people, about what they really want you to know about them. They don't want you to know that they're funded by the government that they have politicians in their ears whispering to them, that they have billionaires or Pfizer or Moderna CEOs in their ears whispering to them about what to say or what not to say, what to report on, what to stray away from. They're losing control. They're losing power and they know it. So I, I am going to leave you on a positive note because again, too, uh, Bud Light sponsor Dylan Mulvaney, we've all seen this over the past couple of weeks, and they have taken severe cuts to their just the ability to sell their product, to their stock prices, to the income that they're bringing in. They have faced severe repercussion for that sponsorship with Dylan Mulvaney. And a lot of other companies, because a lot of people are like, oh yeah, this is this is extra, it's too much. But a lot of other companies are going to see how toxic sponsoring Mulvaney is, and they're going to stray away from that. By the way, the companies that have already sponsored him, like Nike, we should have already been boycotting because uh, why weren't we boycotting them already since you know the Hong Kong days, since before that? We should have been boycotting Chinese products, but guess what? China owns us now and we get like 90% of our products from them already. Um, but we are winning. Ron DeSantis is still fortifying the state of Florida. He actually just came out. Uh, I think they're trying to pass a bill Uh, the Florida house passes a bill enacting the death penalty for child rapists bill sponsor representative Jessica Baker said in closing, there is no earthly redemption for somebody who rapes a small child. Only God can save them. And in Florida, we should be eager to arrange that meeting. Good. I'm glad that we can finally, you know, in at least the state of Florida get behind death penalty for pedophiles and child rapists. Absolutely. More and more States are starting to push back and ban transition surgery for children as they should, because that is genital mutilation and children should not be subjected to that. People are waking up to the realities of Drag Queen Story Hour. Remember that we did overturn Roe v. Wade. There are a lot of positives in this country. And I know it seems bleak. I honestly have been going through my own period of just feeling very blackpilled. But Elon Musk taking over Twitter was a huge win in itself. The governments, the conservative governments nationwide that are trying to fortify their states against the LGBTQ and transgender indoctrination of our youth, very important. The American citizens who are still standing up for their Second Amendment right and their constitutional rights and trying to take back their communities, very important. So don't feel so lost. Don't feel so downtrodden, my friends. Um, I know we went through a lot of heavy news this show but to be quite honest with you sometimes the show is just cathartic for me because I live through a lot of this stuff I see it with my own two eyes and it's very heavy for me to go through Uh, but getting to be here and discuss it with you and letting you know my own two cents uh, I hope that you guys are able to take away something from it as well I hope you guys feel you know like somebody maybe understands where you're at, where you're coming from. Maybe some of you think that I'm a bit too extreme, a bit too crazy. It's because I, I, I'm living through a lot of the stuff that I am reporting to you guys. And uh, seeing a lot of this stuff with your own two eyes just hits a lot different and it gets very heavy. But despite all of that, I think we all just need to remember that God is in control and that we we do have very formidable wins um, on the horizon that we've already experienced and, uh, we'll keep moving forward in a positive direction. So I think that's all I've got for you on this episode of rapid fire. Thank you guys for being patient with me. Thank you for uh, sticking with me. And, um, I apologize. The show hasn't Been here for the past two weeks, but again, you know, the best way to support the show is by going on Apple Podcasts, leaving a five-star review if you do like it, or going and checking out my subscribe star down below. Remember that if I'm not here on YouTube, you can always find me on Twitter. I will be live posting all of my reporting. So again, thank you guys for being patient with me. Don't lose hope. And uh, if you do get through periods or go through periods of just being like, where is our country headed? Go read the writings of our founding fathers. And remember the foundations of this country, so you can feel better about where we're all at. And uh, with that being said, I am going to be done for tonight, but thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Rapid Fire. My name is Savannah Hernandez.